Daikaraya! Good evening. Welcome to Council Fire with the Riverwinds. We are your imperfect hosts, Chief Joseph and... Dr. Laurelyn Riverwind. So come to the fire, especially for those of you who are in the very cold regions of Turtle Island. Uh, and Creator, we just ask that you just bless this time together, that your Ruach HaKodesh, that your Holy Spirit will move in people's hearts and people's minds, renew our mind to the mind of the Mashiach. Uh, as we study about your fire today, Father. Amen and amen. So we are finishing up Hanukkah right mm -hmm. now. Yep, Festival of Dedication, or also called the Festival of Lights. Which has nine lights on the Hanukkah. <laughs> nine lights. Nine lights. Nine. Are you sure about that? Well, actually I'm not, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> So uh, by the time you've, you've, you're listening to this, uh, the Festival of Dedication will be officially over because it will be sundown. Uh, but still, the Creator has just really been showing us a lot of wonderful things. Um, also things that have been going on in, in the news since the last program. And uh, he really just was wanting us to talk about fire and the sacred fire. Now, not just from our people's perspective, but also biblical perspective. Yes, and... I think it's very interesting that um, there is a concept of sacred versus strange fire in Scripture, and mm -hmm. there's also the concept of sacred versus not sacred fire in Native traditions. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see it ubiquitously through the tribes in the Americas that I have been exposed to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't speak for every tribe, but it's interesting that there is a distinction and we've seen some people come to our fire if we're having a bonfire outside and just throw trash into it. Or cigarette butts. Um, and we're going, ah, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are I, you I doing? I remember many moments like that. We're all the native, we're all like looking at each other like. Culture shock. Uh, did they just throw their cigarette butts into the sacred fire or. <laughs> it's bad enough that they have them around, but, you know, or, you know, a, a cup that mm -hmm. they're finished with and they just toss it into the fire. And it's like, um, you know, it kind of puts us on this. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and probably it's because our people are taught about the fire. We're taught about sacred fire. Um, you know, one of the one one of the things that the elders have passed down and, and I remember hearing when I was young was an old prophecy that said that when our people no longer can make fire the old way, that that would be the end of our people. Mm. And, you know, I hadn't thought of that for years, probably even decades. And so just now at this moment, uh, I was reminded of that. I've thought of it recently. And uh, that's because I've watched my, my grandfather make fire the old way. And, you know, last weekend we buried him. We buried his um, ashes. And I remembered that prophecy and I thought, you know, I really wish I had asked my grandfather to teach me. But we taught our kids. Well, when we... you taught. I, <laughs> I still think that I probably would starve for two or three days in the wilderness <laughs> if I was having to make fire the old way, I think I would get really hungry, desperate, angry, 
pray and God would somehow do something wonderful for me. Like sign the lightning bolt. Yeah, probably. That Being that exactly. you've been hit twice already, that's all you need is another lightning bolt. You're right. Just so you could fry up some Sochan and who knows what. You know? <laughs> Nobody that's listening to this is going to know what Sochan is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, now you have to tell them Sochan is a Cherokee plant, a yeah. Cherokee vegetable. Yeah, it's a it's a green leafy plant that's very good for you. Well, speaking of plants, we might as well do the herbal moment before we get into the fire. And further. herbal what do you think? moment, I think that sounds good. Okay. Okay, so and this is our herbal moment. Ba, 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 ba. Oh. Okay, that's an interesting theme song <laughs> for the herbal moment. Um, and of course, the FDA has probably deemed me an insane woman that you should never listen to. Everything I'm going to say is not just nuts, but nuts and granola, so don't listen to it. Okay, so on the herbal moment today, <laughs> I think we should talk about, since it's coming into dry skin season well, I think and we're in dry cold, skin. We're, definitely yes, in it. we're going to talk about skin brushing. And um, skin brushing is not something that most people do. However, my doctoral dissertation was on eczema and uh, having been a person who has um, been born with a genetic skin disorder, skin brushing has been something I have come to learn and love. So, when we, when we talk about skin brushing, this is what we're discussing. When we uh, are about to go into our shower, before we actually start the water, it's good to have a natural skin brush that we can brush the dead skin cells off of our skin. Now, it's not just good for removing dead skin cells, but it's also something that will basically assist the lymphatic system and that's one of the real benefits of skin brushing. I used to get skin brushed when I was a kid. I am scared the... to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> that's I when got... you got spanked with a brush. Isn't I got it? spanked oh with goodness. a natural paddle and a wooden spoon <laughs> that was used for. I don't think that qualifies, honey. <laughs> I don't think that qualifies. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, if you're intentionally skin brushing as not a torture or disciplinary <laughs> method, the the skin brushing should be of a natural brush bristle. Um, one of the things that's Im important for us as messianic people is to realize that many of the skin brushes, natural bristles that you get out there, are going to be made of boar's hair. So you have to kind of be picky. And I would recommend doing your shopping online for this item because if you want a, I don't know if I should use the word kosher skin brush, but if you want something that's not biblically unclean, then what you want to look for is a Tampico fiber skin brush. Well, I can't, I can't even imagine just, especially now thinking about the, the bristles, and you're putting that through your hair, and as native people... No, 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 not it, our hair, honey. 
This is for the skin. Oh, for the skin. Okay. Unless you have a very hairy body, <laughs> and then it would go on both your skin and your hair. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I had a totally different picture going on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, Tampico is um, an agave plant. And Not it's a cheap very... synthetic orange juice that you find in Florida. What? Yeah, there's a Tampico really nasty oh, drink. I yeah. Tampico, Tampica, something. Something. Like yeah, that. that's yeah. not natural. Yeah, don't put that on your skin. Please don't put that in anywhere. Um, but the Tampico is a um, an agave plant, which is often confused with cacti. It is not a cactus. It is different than cactus. However, it could. It looks like a succulent and. It may actually be in the succulent family. I need to do a little bit of research on that, but it is not technically a cactus. So um, native people in the Southwest and into Mexico used the uh, agave lechiguera, lechiguilla. Yes, I'm trying to pronounce the uh, She's quote, trying to pronounce Latin name. and filtering it through all the many languages she knows. Like no, yeah. no, no, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I have not learned Latin, but native people use the fibers from these leaves as um, for making ropes and mats and many different things. And the fibers are are resistant to pH changes. Which is a wonderful thing. And isn't the nectar from the agave uh, in really good uh, substitute for a sweetener if you're diabetic? Because we use the agave nectar. Some agaves, yes. Okay. And I, I really, I know that a lot of people have shied away from agave nectar as a sweetener. But it is my go-to sweetener. Um I don't care for sweet things, but if I'm going to use a sweetener, I want to use agave. And uh, it has a low glycemic index, and I I love using something that's um, that's not only natural but indigenous and has a low glycemic index. So the fibers of this plant are nice because they're they're going to be natural and they're going to help shed your uh, dead layers of skin that need that are loose and need to be um, removed from the outside of your body but the real the real big benefit of skin brushing is the effect it has on the flow of the fluids within your body so you know you, you know about the the blood flow in your body but what many people don't really think about a whole lot is the return of fluids that leak into your body into your tissues out of your blood vessels how does that ever get back you know it bathes the tissues the um, the fluids bathe your tissues and then how do they get back how do they get out of those tissues well if you don't have a very effective lymphatic system then 
it can get stuck there in your tissues. And that's when you see swelling in your hands, in your fingers, swelling in your feet and your ankles, because there may not be a good return system for that. And impartiality that could be due to circulation issues in the blood, but more than likely, there are issues in the lymphatic system. So when we do skin brushing, it's important to do it directionally. And when you do it, you want to go from the extremities toward up toward the, the center of mass. And when you're doing it in the torso, you want to take it up toward the heart because all of the lymphatic system drains into the heart area. So basically it's like brushing towards your center mass. Exactly. You're, you're using that physical, uh, mechanical stimulation to help your body return fluids into its emptying system. And so this is one of the most important things to do all the time but especially during the winter because not only can it help with that but it can also help with your dry skin getting rid of that old winter shedding the outside layer that can get pretty dry and old and so um, I would highly recommend skin brushing for anybody that has well for everybody period but especially for those who have um, unresolved issues with their skin and who have swelling in the extremities. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful thing that we're able to, um, that the Lord has, has blessed this program with your knowledge. You know, you're a master herbalist. You're also a doctor of naturopathic medicine. Uh, I, I met you when you were in medical school uh, learning Western medicine. I have and, come from the dark side <laughs> and into the light. And just recently, um, I know we only do little tidbits of, of some of your knowledge, but you're opening up um, some availabilities for personal life coaching as well. Uh, yes, which I didn't know we were going to talk about, but since you brought it up, um, I, I do life coaching for holistic health of the body, soul, and spirit. And... It's, it's important to me to be able to offer that to somebody and acknowledge the fact that all three of those tie in very heavily together. And I've, I've opened up two days ago, actually yesterday, I'm sorry. Yesterday I opened up seven slots. I immediately got six maybes. I've gotten two confirmations. So you have so five, five potential slots available for I personal... Have Life coaching, and you do it over Skype. I have four or five. Um, so, and all of those have been halfway filled, but not really. Okay. So, if 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 people are interested, yes. Yeah, I, just message uh, message us. Go to our the riverwinds.com to our ministry site, or if you're one of our Facebook friends. You know, actually, the best way is probably to email me directly, which of is course. dr as in doctor dot riverwind at gmail.com and I can give you details about about all of that and you can go at your own pace that's very much what I'm about going at your own pace and we've heard some really great reviews from some of the people who've already started so everything from PTSD to um, 
to just strictly natural health. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I would really be remiss if I didn't talk about skin brushing and mention the fact that our natural skin care company, Native Touch, uh, has skin moisturizing salves that are excellent during the winter. And um, they're 100% natural, they're certified vegan. Um, we use no, no chemicals, no uh, perfumes, no dyes. It's all 100% natural. We have one cream, the Warrior Bear Rub, which we have the, the data to back up this claim, kills MRSA. Um, uh, the scientific, well, well, the studies that, that are done with the, the ingredients. ingredients. Yes, with the ingredients. Yeah. And, and those who are listening who have tried our products before certainly won't mind us taking the time to mention that mm-hmm. because... Um, 85% of our customers tell us they'll buy our products for life because they are not only natural but super effective. Mm-hmm. And if and having been a person who suffers in my skin chronically, the only thing that I've been able to do that not only satiates it but improves the problem that I was born to having, you know, with my DNA my whole life unless the Lord were to miraculously heal my DNA. And so it's nice to have something that that helps to the point where I don't have pain anymore. Mm. And you know, one of the other things that our, that our natural rubs have been used for is burns. Oh, and we're going to go back and to fire. And we're going to go back so, to fire. So there we go. There was the herbal moment, which was more than just a moment. Yeah, Sorry, so it was more a than little a long. But, but remember... I'm on fire! <laughs> But remember, according to the FDA, here's the closure disclaimer. I'm nuts and granola. Don't listen to a thing. Just keep going to your medical doctor and getting whatever pharmaceutical prescriptions with all his side effects to take you through. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Now, fire. Fire. So, you know, one, one of the things that, it, that we need, we were talking about making a fire the old way. Um, and my I'm, grandpa. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times people think it's very difficult um, uh, to, to build a fire the old way. And, you know, the sacred fire was something to our people in many different tribes, but specifically with the tribes in the southeast, uh, like, like among the Muscogee people. You know, whenever we've been down to the stomp dance grounds or uh, for green corn, and one, one of the common things that you hear is "nagit da oma." I knew you were going to ask me that. You know, and that's in the Muscogee Creek language. "Nagit da oma" is a traditional form of asking somebody where they're from, but it doesn't just mean where you're from. It has a very specific literal translation. Literal translation, yeah. and that is where does your fire sit? And why is it? Why is that? Because there are grounds that people go to, to, um, it's like a homecoming. It's where your hometown is from, where your people are from. It's your village. Your your village. It's where you go to pray, where you go to celebrate the traditional feasts. Yes. You have the stomp grounds, uh, which is not open to the public. And Uh, what's really important about that is that. At the grounds, there is a sacred fire 
Mm-hmm. Which is why that, that which is why the question, where does your fire sit? And every single year, it's lit from the same source, from the same ashes. There same is embers. a continuity. What about the Trail of Tears? There's a there's a legacy. Oh, now here's here's mm-hmm. a good one. There's there's a On legacy the to the fire. Oh, there, yeah. there, there's a legacy to the fire, and always and having that legacy is is crucial. Uh, in the traditional ways of many of the of the people of the southeast of the tribes here, uh, and, and it could very well be the same for many of the other First Nations that we don't know. We don't speak for all First Nations, but you find this among the Cherokee, you find it among the Muscogee, um, you find this among my people, you find this among the Chickasaw, the the Choctaw, uh, all the Stomp Dance people, and the legacy of the fire is where did that fire come from? There's a continuing fire at the sacred grounds, at the ceremonial grounds, the fire that's there. That when we dance around it, when we stomp dance, when we sing the songs, that fire has not gone out since the very first fire the Creator gave the people. These are fires that have a legacy. You know, our fire, our sacred fire, the Ruach HaKodesh, has a very eternal legacy. You know, and, and the sacred fire will share a story of the Trail of Tears that happened right here, uh, not very far from where we live. What do you think, maybe 10 miles from here? At... Most. At most, about ten miles from where we live here, in the mountains, uh, during the removal period, there were some soldiers. When he says removal, he's talking about the Cherokee removal from the land on the Trail of Tears. Trail of Tears, right, right. Um, which Murphy, North Carolina, is was one of the first staging areas of the concentration camps that were built for removing the Cherokee. Uh, although the Muscogee Creek had been removed ten years prior to that, but they called them forts. Not concentration camps. Yes, they were they were detention forts, and, and so about roughly ten miles from here, there's accounts of the soldiers as they were you know routing the Cherokee people up. There was one Cherokee man that they left alone. They they left him alone because he was surrounded by the biggest, baddest looking, most elite Cherokee warriors that these soldiers had ever seen. Very intimidating. Very intense. Think. The Rock. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about Yeshua, which I usually am talking about Yeshua when I say The Rock. So we should specify Dwayne, what's his Dwayne Johnson. Johnson, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, so think Dwayne Johnson times four. No, we don't want the women thinking. No, 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 no. Sorry. Dwayne didn't, Johnson and Didn't Buck mean skin. to make you lust. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> I said horrible. I'm sorry. I repented. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it in here because we're just transparent and honest like that and <laughs> show you that we're just human beings too. So. Lord help us. So now these big bad warriors, um, they were protecting the firekeeper. And the firekeeper was tasked with ensuring that that fire, that that flame, that sacred fire did not go out. Now the Cherokee were forced removed during the winter time, uh, lost over a quarter of their people. But it was during the middle of winter. A and quarter of the people who went on the trail. Who went on the Trail of Tears. Not everybody went. Mm-hmm. And this, the, these people, this man was tasked, the firekeeper, with ensuring that that fire stayed lit until they got to their end destination. And it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't that long uh, ago when that f- sacred fire was brought back um, ceremoniously to the red clay area. In, in Tennessee, where the where the council used to take place all the time, and still right there to this day, as we speak, 
that sacred fire is still burning. But there's also still sacred fires at people's stomp dance grounds, at the ceremonial grounds. And uh, one of the first, one of the times, you know, we find fire in scripture everywhere. Uh, but but before we go there, I mean, think of the the task of keeping this flame lit and in alive the in the winter as you're walking yeah. to Oklahoma. I mean, what a dedication to keeping that sacred fire alive. We could learn something from that. Oh my goodness. Um, and you know what's really interesting? There are cultures that out west have stories about sacred fire also. But the sacred fire, okay, this is amazing. There are stories in the southeast where Coyote, who is also known as Trickster in our stories, he is a picture, you know, in scripture it talks about the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? Well, we don't have lions in this country. And so they're still in our legacies, in our storytelling, there's still a picture of an animal, actually multiple usually, mm -hmm. that are associated with trickster. And the one that comes to mind most readily, ubiquitous through so many different cultures, is coyote. Mm -hmm. And there are times in southeastern stories, native traditional stories, where coyote comes and steals That's right. fire. And Little when, trickster coyote bugaboo. Yep. And when we met our dear friend, Larry Strongbow, who has um, since passed on, he was murdered, and it was just his birthday this past week, and so he's in the forefront of my mind. He's but, a White Mountain Apache. Yep, and um, about our age. And he used to tell us of, of a story of how his people, the Apache, a very fierce warrior people, mm -hmm. received fire. And the way that the Apache in his tradition received fire was when Trickster brought it from the east. Oh, yeah, that's right. When Coyote <laughs> Trickster brought it from the east. And so here they are. What a cool you connection. Know, I, Joseph and I, being from the southeast, are going... Uh, you have stories about how Trickster Coyote brought, brought fire. fire from the east? We have stories about, about how Coyote stole, stole the, the fire, fire and ran, ran west. west. <laughs> and how interesting. But, you know, we see this theme of sacred versus perverse mm -hmm. fire or strange fire or common fire even. You know what 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 you flick your big that's a common fire but there are certain things you know when we go to light our Shabbat candles it is a sacrifice and it's something pleasing to the Lord and it may be coming from your match but the spirit behind it is obedience mm -hmm. to Torah um, or you know to observe Shabbat you know, he may not have commanded us to kindle the Shabbat candles specifically, but he told us to not kindle the fire on Shabbat. Right. You know, we're supposed to keep which is, it which going is, which is a strange from the fire. day before. 
in scripture where it says don't kindle a fire on Shabbat, uh, for many of you who, who don't um, understand Hebrew idioms, idioms are, found, are things found throughout scripture that are cultural. And not only is it saying don't start a fire, it means don't start an argument, don't start a dispute on Shabbat because it's supposed to be your island of rest. Exactly. So that's the opposite fire of the sacred fire which you lit the night before. You know when you when you brought in the the Shabbat with the lighting of the candles, and um, and then of course you know speaking of candles, the Creator had one of the biggest, hugest candles in Exodus thirteen twenty one, where it says, "And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may go by day and by night." And you know how how awesome is the Creator that not only did He bring them out of Egypt. He's bringing them through the process of refinement in the desert. But not only is the cloud or the, the pillar of fire giving them light at night, but if any of you have ever been in the desert, yes, you know, it drops to freezing at night. So it gets the, cold. So not only was the Lord giving light, he was probably, I'm sure there was warmth coming from that fire. And then during the day, as they're walking through the hottest part of the, of the, of the sun, there's a big old cloud giving them shade. I mean, how awesome, how awesome is Creator to, to be like that? I mean, the blistering sun he shaded them from, it's amazing. I mean, our God is so awesome. Well, you know, this, this, he's, he's a God of, of, of things that are just unbelievable. Of provision. I mean, that is providing for uh, shade and shelter, for Light temperature control. Warmth. He was like... Making them comfortable during yeah. a time and a place where there was no comfort. And it was difficult for them to see it because they'd come out of something that was more comfortable, even though they were in slavery. Mm -hmm. But it's important for us not to compare our situation to what it could be in the best form. It's important to compare our situation to what it could be in the worst form. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, another verse that I like is Psalm 39, verse 3. If you all have that, it's Psalm 39, verse 3, which says, <laughs> ah, okay, my heart is hot within me. While the fire burned, I was meditating and I spoke with my tongue. You know, how, how incredible it is. You know, Hebrews 12, 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. You know, and his word purifies us. It's a sacred fire. When, when we let his word burn in our heart, you know, because from our, from our heart pours forth all, what does it say, scripture? Evil. Evil. So, so don't, don't say, well, you know, I feel in my heart that I'm supposed to do this or follow your heart. You know, because really, folks, the world will tell you to follow your heart. But what does God's word tell us? That, that there's no cure for it. You know, there are a lot of different scriptures about heart and spirit and soul and all of this. And that's actually one of the things I've been wanting to study is to differentiate according to the Hebrew words. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to try to stay on task here. Which we are talking about the fire. The fire, yes. And talking about Hanukkah. And I want to mention, since 
Hanukkah is a time of miraculous provision of miracles. Well, remember when they when they hear this, it's going to be over. What? Hanukkah's oh, well, going to be it over. <laughs> We're going to extend it. <laughs> um, it's only a couple hours past, so it'll be okay. <laughs> but I think it's interesting that. You know, okay, I do research in King James Version, even though I do not extol the King James Version, only because it has um, Strong's concordance with it. Mm -hmm. So, I go to search miracle, the word miracle, in the King James Version, so I can understand it through the Hebrew. Because we want to know what King Jimmy has to say about the word miracle. So I'm thinking, what do we need for miracles to happen? And Joseph, what would you tell me that we need for miracles? Mo faith. Yes. We need more faith. No, mo faith. Yes, I'm agreeing. We need more faith. No, mo faith. Okay. (laughs) Would you like to explain? Yes, the Hebrew word for miracle is mo faith. And that is true. We are not making it up. Look under the Hebrew word number 4159 in your Strong's, and it is actually, I kid you not, mo faith. And, and, and miracle, it only, miracle only appears once. Only one time in the Old Testament. It's like, really? Seriously, there are so many miracles. How is that word not translated more times in the King James Version than only Exodus 7 verse 9? Now, maybe other versions has like plenty of different verses. But King Jimmy only has Exodus 7 9, which is, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. So, that miracle, Mo Faith, interestingly (laughs) enough, is miracle. Now, when we go to the root, and this just got me. When we go to the root of that word of miracle, Mo Faith... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I think I need to spell it so that people don't think I'm just making this up. It's, it's Mame Faye Tav or Tau if you pronounce the V like a W, which I do. So Mo Faye. Um, In the English, phonetically, it's literally M O F A I T H. Mo faith. (laughs) That's what you see in the Strong's, folks. So when you go to the uh, root word, it's the Hebrew word number 3302 in your Strong's, and it's yafa, which means to be bright, and by implication, beautiful. So it's talking about... Shining. Shining. Which has to do with fire. Yeah, being bright and... And I'm going, oh my goodness, the miracle of Hanukkah with the oil and the fire and the sacred fire burning and the rededication. And they all had Mo Faith. And they had Mo Faith and they had a miracle. (laughs) And here it is. Oh my goodness, they were being bright. (laughs) They were, they were. And Yeshua is the light of the world. 
How, so, you can't make this up. Fellas. Oh, that is so that is so cool. I I, I hope y'all enjoyed the, our Mo Faith episode because that's I think what we're gonna call it. Um, you know what? First uh, Corinthians three thirteen is another good one, and Jude one verse twenty three. Uh, but save others with fear, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garment being stained from the flesh. Okay, so that's an interesting verse because they're talking about you know. He's talking about snatching people out of a destructive fire, okay? And at the same time, being righteous. Being righteous. We should not, in our mercy, compromise. And that's important. Mm -hmm. It's important to be merciful, but to distinguish whether or not we are willing to compromise our values, our principles, our everyday actions, our words, our faith. You know, you know I think somebody who, is, who lived Yafa and who's really shown the world, you know, that there's something to the, the mainstream media for the first time talking about a messianic jewish person oh my goodness you know and, and and when you think about it this that i know of unless there's somebody else out there this is the first messianic jewish martyr on american on soil american soil in turtle islands i mean that's powerful and he was one who i guarantee you shown but because of his faith he didn't back down and don't don't believe people that are saying that it was because of the arguments and all this, that workplace tension. Maybe we, that's should a bunch give of... a, maybe we should give a frame of reference. In oh, case yes, somebody yes. Ha doesn't know what we're talking about. Okay, so Nic we're Nicholas Thalassinos. Nicholas Thalassinos, who was a San Bernardino, San Bernardino. San Bernardino martyr. Um, the ones who were killed just recently in California by the radical Muslim couple. And I just have to tell you, I really strongly identify with him. And I, I look at him and I think, is that me one day? Are people going to be looking at my life back? I mean, he was a, a strong proponent for the faith not afraid to speak out, not afraid to stand for, for what, what he, he believes, believes in. in. He supported Israel. I, the, the fact that he, he's got a Greek name, but he was a Messianic Jew. You know, I mean, what, I love what, it. what, a, love what it. a picture of the oneness, neither Jew nor Gentile. Beautiful. One in Mashiach. I don't even care what his ethnicity started as. He was beautifully standing by, devoted to, and sold out for and not just willing, but did give mm -hmm. his life for his beliefs. And, you know, I believe completely that it's not him who inflamed this Muslim to action against people. I believe that it would have happened anyway. And I believe that it is our First Amendment right to say what we believe, whether we're in the workplace, the marketplace, in our home, in our church, wherever, synagogue, we have a First Amendment right. And if 
our First Amendment right provokes somebody else to act out in violence, that's their problem. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and also, right from the get-go, you've got an anti-Messiah spirit at war yes. with a Mashiach spirit you know, in, in that man. And so we just wanted to honor his, his memory. And, um, and to say pray, pray, please, pray for his family. Mm. And pray His for friends and pray and for protection all over all of all of the people all who the... speak out uh, against this Islamization of the country, um, uh, against you know this insidious uh, ideology. Us included. Yeah, and 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 I am not talking, you know I, I don't I, I'm the the whole placating oh radical Muslims and then moderate Muslims they're not, not all Muslims are the same, you know I, I bet you anything ninety nine percent of those people who say that have never read a Quran. That 99% of those people who, who, who say that have never lived with people with these ideologies. Not only that, but how many of the the radicals were moderates 10 well, or 15 this years is, ago? This is the perfect poster couple for moderate Muslims in America. And not only The co-workers that, were saying things like, he was so polite. They were so nice. We just had a, a baby shower for them had, six months ago. We were, and even his so own wonderful. family members saying things like, well, we would we never we, knew. We never would have... We, we're, we're in shock. So here's your perfect moderate Muslim couple, America, that all of a sudden decided to, what, snap? Have an insane moment like some of the, the liberal media was saying? Come on. We are just not willing to sit down and shut up about this. And we know, we recognize that it it may make us um, unacceptable to many people. But the fact is that we live in trying times. We live in Nehemiah times. Where we're supposed to be building a wall with one hand and having a weapon in the other. Why are they building a wall? Why are they building a wall? in Nehemiah. It's to keep the enemy out. And so when we hear about people who are saying, we just need to be kind to these people. We need to be good to them. We need to, you guys. If the Lord calls you to a certain ministry or mission, we're not saying don't do this because I'm sure there are some people who are called. We're saying test the spirit and do whatever Abba tells you to do because there are different segments in the population, different parts of the body. But I don't see any parts of the body in Nehemiah that my Abba tells me should open the gate and let the enemies in. That's the whole reason why there's gates. Yes, to, to decide <laughs> Who can come in and who can't? And that's the whole reason why there are walls. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not hatred. I feel very strongly a sense of heartache for many of the people who were raised in this belief and trapped in this belief. And I know there are people who are called for that. But everybody who's called for that must have a strong strong gift of discernment mm -hmm. and, and must use it and it's people who are very well versed in the quran as well to where they can dissect it apart to the people they minister to this this is this is no joke and if they have a strong sense of discernment they're going to understand and know and acknowledge and accept that there are those of us who must 
protect. Mm -hmm. We all have different functions in the body of Messiah. Yes. Our function is watchmen on the wall. We're warriors. I'm the war chief of my people. And, and my people uh, is not just the Arawak people. My people, because we are all the tribe of Yehuda. So you are all my people, and we're going to speak out. If you decide that you agree with us and want to be part of what we're doing, then you can be part of our people. We, we don't have like a, a clan or a tribe or whatever. I mean, yes, we have ancestry, but we have prioritized the Lord. And his kingdom over man's. And our brothers and sisters in the Messiah. And so what we're doing is basically making our own um we're we're making our own cell of <laughs> of the body of messiah and it's a cell of uh wisdom and discernment and peace whenever we can have it yep. and if we can't have it then strong defense and extreme supernatural faith too you know um one of the things that's been going around as well, and, and and it's good to know things like this. Jimmy Carter banned all Iranians from entering the U.S. Oh my goodness, you're going to go there. And and you know, <laughs> we've had many people saying, "Oh well, that's not constitutional. He that that can't be done. It was under different circumstances." Uh, and and I just want to share this with you. I, I put it up on our Council Fire with the Riverwinds Facebook page. It's U.S. Code 1182, inadmissible aliens. This law was written in 1952, passed by Democratic controlled Congress. House and Senate, and signed by a Democratic president. And it says this. Okay, so all left-wing yes. um, all F, left wing branches. Right, right. And, and this is what it says. Executive and legislative. Suspension of entry or imposition of restrictions by president. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States... The president may, by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Hmm. Why is this not being done? We are at war. Islam has declared war with us. We've been attacked on our soil. Ooh, ooh, Why ooh. is this not being done? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know. I know. I'm raising my hand, teacher. Can I answer? Do you have more faith? Uh, yes. <laughs> I have more faith that even though I'm going to answer this question, God's going to protect me. Okay. I think the reason that this is not being done right now is because our president is a Muslim. Do you think so? <gasps> oh, my goodness. Did we say that? Oh my goodness, we have First Amendment rights and we're not scared to use them? Oh no, honey. Woo! Uh-oh. High five. Now, people, look, I see a tinfoil appearing on your head. <laughs> and I think I have a tinfoil hat appearing on mine. <laughs> Let's make barbecue with it and throw oh some... Oh my gracious. <laughs> okay, just ribs. so you know, okay, so. Uh, we do not support or endorse Jimmy Carter. Um, unfortunately, but, but we wanted to inform you because this is an information war as well. I, I think that's a really important point to realize that, um, this was issued by a democratic president and there, we live in a, a time and a space where most of the, 
Many people have not ever been to war. One percent of America has taken that pledge to be a veteran. I, I was at the VA hospital with my husband today, and here I am surrounded by veterans wishing and, and just regretting the fact that I couldn't ever serve my country in that way. Even though I signed up, I was part and I was part of the military briefly. I was property of the US government for a little while and then God thought better of it and I guess I should say delivered me, although it seemed at the time like it was a punishment. He had a different warrior calling for you, hon. But this is the thing. Our nation is at war. And we're going to try really hard not to make this program all about that because we really want to encourage you. We want to bolster you up. We want to edify you, give you peace and joy and love. But remember, the times may or may not permit it. Mm -hmm. And we want to just edify and and remind you to pray for the Thalassinos family and all of the victims of the San Bernardino uh, massacre. And folks, we definitely, absolutely, 100% uh, encourage you to defend your families, uh, get concealed weapons permits, uh, be able to, like Nehemiah, be able to defend your family, your land, and your property. And um, please, folks, do go to our website, www.theriverwinds.com. We hope you will consider uh, giving to our ministry and staying in touch with us, allowing our, our newsletter to come to you. Mm -hmm. we have, we'll have some mission opportunities to the reservation this summer uh, and during the spring. And we just pray, Seneco Kakona, Guaguakia, Bo, Yeshua, Kasike. Come, Yeshua, we just come. Rest everybody that's been listening to the show. Father, let your sacred fire just refine and refine and refine. Perfect Take away us. the impurities. Perfect us in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. The name above all names. And Father, we don't ask just for you to bless this country. We declare that those of us who are left here, we bless you, Yah. 